Hi, and welcome to this week's On The Spot. My name is Kevin Hill. I'm filling in for Zach Strickland, our Director of Freight Market Intelligence. And as always, we have JP Hampstead, Director of Research at Passport. How are you doing today, JP? I'm good. How are you, Kevin? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So the spot market is, is hopping. Yeah. Tinder rejections are at like 2018 levels. Getting up to the peak of 2018, volumes are literally off the charts. That's right. Um, yeah, volumes and volume, you know, yeah, Tinder volumes, right? It's like request for capacity, right? Yeah, Which, you can go into that just for, for a couple minutes. Let's, um, let's talk about that. Well, yeah, so I think that sometimes we use the word volume as a shorthand for OTBI, but what we're talking about are tenders, not necessarily like payments or transactions, right? And so, like, they include rejections and acceptances. And so you'll see them go far above indexes that um, that track pure physical movement of goods. What the tenders tell us is the way that shippers are behaving in the marketplace, right? And their freight include, you know, the tenders include a sort of, if you wanted to think about like your mental model of what's in EDI, which is you would think mostly like large shippers to large asset-based carriers, but also some to 3PLs mostly contracts, but also what you think of as like surge and spot freight are all sort of included in OTVI in those tenders. So, um, so as, as tender rejections go up, tenders go up. Yeah, yeah. And there's a spread in between there. I saw you post that out uh, yeah. this weekend to, to get a sense of, of what that means. Right. Um, and so there, there are different ways of thinking about it. I mean, one sort of rough and ready calculation you could do is you could look at OTVI Y which is the growth in OTVI year over year, subtract the rejection rate from it, and that gets you closer to like a real year over year growth. But that really only works because last year had very low rejection rates and it was pretty stable. Like, very low volatility like You couldn't last year. really do that in every year. Um, and obviously our data scientists are, are sort of working on that. Um, the, I, I, I just think when you're talking about indexes and this and the sort of fundamental data, um, the data sets are designed to answer certain questions. They're bad at answering other kinds of questions. And so you just have to be aware of like how the data is structured, what you're asking it to do. And then when, when you make supplements or alternatives or derivatives of it, um, those have to be done sort of intentionally with, with again, a, a goal of answering a specific question in mind. So, um, but yeah, uh, tenders are very high. Um, rejections are very high. Um, you know, they come in a little from 22%. Um, now they're, they're still above 21%. Um, and it, it makes me kind of, uh, we wondered about this on our trucking markets report this week, like how high should they go? Do they need to keep going higher? Or do they necessarily mm -hmm. keep going higher? Why would that? I mean, in, in 2018, there were a couple of different like peaks in um, tender rejections around 25%. And if you think about the way that shippers and large asset-based carriers act in the market, that might be kind of as high as they like, need like to really go. Like, like a ceiling, right? Uh, because we were talking about, Michael Vincent and I were talking about this uh, a day or two ago, uh, where in April we saw tender rejections fall below 3% and we were calling that like full capacity, kind of like full employment. It never goes to zero, but there's a natural or artificial floor, floor whatever you want to right. call it. The, you know, the, there could be a ceiling before behaviors change 
and right and exactly other so, things happen so we're, you're talking about when asset-based carriers start managing for yield rather than utilization so they're being choosier they're they're rejecting one out of every five loads um, they probably have a these large carriers have brokerages that can also feed them loads and help optimize their freight mix and then you've also got sort of um, you know discussions about surge pricing uh, you have uh, spot loads that are being tendered you also have um, you know discussions about uh, renegotiating renegotiation rates. contract rates and those kind of together you know maybe 20 they only need to reject 25 percent to, yeah. to optimize um, what, what they're trying to do yeah so I mean basically if you get up to 20 25 percent that that automatically changes tactics and, and maybe you're renegotiating rates up you're going into the spot market so tenders are accepted and you're finding, point, and you're right? finding all the, the freight capacity. that you you need right like mm -hmm. like your your contract network should be set up to efficiently utilize your fleet and maybe to get like to, you know the optimal result in a in a hot market you only need to replace about a quarter of it or to, you know to to, mm -hmm. to to totally optimize the fleet right and you know that's that's not to say that like you know, reefer out of Little Rock might have higher than 25% rejection rates at certain times of the year, but just sort of on a national, like, industry average basis. Um, yeah, so the important thing, though, is that even if uh, tender rejections are flat above 20%, call it, spot rates are going to continue going up. Yeah, I mean, that's it can be flat above 20%. That's still high. So Even if high. it's stable, it's still high, and spot rates will follow. What are we seeing with spot rates? Um, I mean, you know, t talking to brokers this week, they said that conditions have materially worsened compared to a couple weeks ago. And worsened for a broker means that trucks are harder to find and they're more expensive. And so they're really the ones who have started the cascade of giving back freight to shippers because, you know, to the extent that they have contracted freight with locked-in rates, mm -hmm. and they can't control their costs. They can only tolerate losses um, for so long. Yeah, it, it's, it reminds me of the, the Echo Global Logistics Phase Three chart that we kind of go off of, where you know you're underwater at some points yeah, yeah, and yeah. contract rates go up, and we're, we're starting to hear more and more chatter about just a you know a flat line or you know, wholesale contract increases uh, coming up in this really, this the, the, the heart of the next bid cycle. So we're getting closer and closer to where we were in late 2017, early 2018, uh, where 10% uh, across the board was the, the normal. Uh, but are we quite there yet? Um, I think that, you know, the dominoes are falling on the 3PL side, right? Whose commitments by nature are sort of less rigid than asset-based carriers, but we're starting to hear more and more from the asset guys that they are going to demand higher contract rates. And specifically, uh, we should talk about the Bank of America report that came out this week, written by equities analyst Ken um, Hexter, um, after his management call with Knight Swift. And the CEO of Knight Swift, uh, Dave Jackson, was quite bullish. Um, Bank of America reiterated their buy rating. They have a price target, you know, 20% above the current um, 
you know, Price and Knight Swift, and they basically, and Jackson, um, in this call with uh, Bank of America, basically said, look, yes, new truck orders have gone up. It's still super hard to find drivers, so we don't think that it's going to be additions to capacity. It's more about replenishment. We think that there are structural forces that are constraining capacity and driving rates higher, and we think that you know we're looking for to reprice our, our um, contract portfolio going into 2021. Now, it reminds me, because I met you in, in person for the first time down in Miami at the yes. Steeple Conference, the Trucking Logistics Conference is an awesome conference on Miami Beach in February of 2018. That's and right. we heard that same, and we had public trucking companies, private trucking companies, everyone coming in, doing presentations for analysts, and we were sitting in those rooms, and right. it was the same kind of language. And within three or four months, man, the market had peaked. It was a new normal in February, and that new normal kind of fell away in within three or four months, right? Yeah. What's the possibility started, that we're in that same cycle? Well, here's the thing. It started in Q2 of 2017, right? Um, uh, yeah, and so it, it, it had, you know, by the time it fell apart, it had been a year. True. And I kind of think that it'll probably take another year for enough capacity to come into the market for that capacity to be rationalized mm -hmm. and effectively used um, before rates come down. At least, I would think at least a year, given how much capacity was destroyed in 2019. Um, I, you know, and I, I, I definitely agree with that. I'm a little gun shy with all the, uh, the, the peaks and troughs and how short the cycles have been over the last uh, yeah. six months, right? So <laughs> I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of feeling that this is a short cycle, but uh, but but just like in, in 2018, 2019, it, it does last for a little bit, maybe yeah, a year. Yeah, I mean, so obviously there's a lot of uncertainty about you know, the demand side, about the strength of the economy, about mm -hmm. whether Congress will pass more fiscal stimulus, whether um, we will beat the virus and continue to grow the economy, right? Um, but I, I just think that, like, the... the the capacity cycle is a slow-moving sort of, it's like the tides coming in and out, right? And um, it takes, it's, it's on a certain cadence and it takes a while um, to, to affect the markets. I, I, do, I do agree with you though that, um, you know, I wouldn't put much conviction in like a call that says like, this is what trucking is gonna look like 12 months from today. Um, we don't, fortunately we don't have to do that. Right, because we, we have high frequency fundamental data. And so our job really is to be first on calling what's happening, um, to look at all sides of the market, including the tender data of the largest players, the truckload carrier association, um, you know, their benchmarking data that covers sort of like the middle market. And we also look at load board data mm -hmm. that covers um, spot capacity at the smaller end of the, of, of the market. And so we kind of, you know, piecing all of those together, interviewing operators on a daily basis, and you know, weaving that together is really how we get our work done. I wouldn't want to, and, you know, in talking to all those people, I should say, no one knows what it's going to look like in 12 months. Like, no one does. I, but I, one thing that I do take out that Bank of America uh, report that, that we read, and, and you mentioned it a little bit before, is that it's very optimistic, yeah. which tells me that if Knight Swift is very optimistic about, the, say, 12 months, 
that contract rates are going to uh, are going, you know, every truckload carrier is going to follow that bullish sentiment and go in for rate increases in their next contract negotiations. Would you agree yeah, with that? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, and I think that most of the asset-based carriers may uh, keep their powder dry until October or, so, or thereabouts. Mm -hmm. Um, sort of the traditional bid season and when they have the most sort of undeniable pricing power, like right in Q4. Yep. Um, so so it, may, it may take a little bit longer for them. I think for the 3PLs, it's well underway. Um, yeah, you can't go underwater on, on contract pricing for very long if you're a 3PL, right? No, no. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, 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 it's quite interesting, you know, the, the the economic picture is you know, difficult to, to sort of um, perceive in our crystal balls, but I mean, I, I think that the capacity thing definitely has a different has a certain rhythm. What's interesting too, I don't know, I don't, we, I don't think we've talked about it on this program yet, but did you see the latest edition of the Coyote Curve? I I did, yes. Okay, so if you remember at the end of 2019. Coyote called for the beginning of a new inflationary cycle in Q1 2020. Mm -hmm. Then COVID happened. They pushed it to Q1 2021. But now they pulled it back and say and have said it's happening yeah. now in Q3 of 2020. Right. Um, so I think that you know, and and I think most of that uncertainty and that sort of uh, you know zeroing in on on the the moment of inflection really has to do with like the demand side. I think that they knew at the end of 2019 that we were set up for constraint capacity. It was the real uncertainty is about how the economy was doing. Exactly. We've about a minute left. Uh, just ha have one quick question for you on on contract pricing and mini bids. Have you been hearing much mini bid activity out there on, on your telephone oh, Definitely, definitely. Especially um, as as uh, 3PLs give back freight and then it has to be quickly reassigned. Um, and they're spreading their bets, shippers are spreading their bets, trying to avoid total capitulation. Yeah, very good. Well, um, Thank you very much, JP. Uh, this wraps up for this on the spot. And uh, Zach will be back in this seat next week with G JP for right. the, the next edition.